0: I'm just so proud of her and so proud of Sam as a couple. Um, I've, I guess I probably know them better than anyone else here, and I know that they're real. Um, they're both marriage and, and family therapists, and they've been doing this a long time. Um, they've been counseling people in their marriages and helping people grow in so many ways, and uh, I'm so uh, proud to have them speak. Uh, Sam's spoken a few times um, at uh, Anchor Gaslamp before we merged in a new city. And uh, we're just very glad to welcome them back. So if you guys would make them feel really welcome as they come up here. Whoops.
1: I'll say that again just because I thought it was supposed to be funny. <clears throat> it's almost like we're family. Yeah. Good That's morning. exactly, if you guys participate like that, we are going to have a blast. That's right. So, you know, the uh, the kind of sitcom clap, that'll work. Anything. Now, we are really, really, really excited to be here today and uh, talk about relationships, which is our passion. We kind of say we're passionate about building trust, intimacy, and connection in relationships. And connection really is the key. So today, our title is going to be Connection Busters, Things That Break Connection. But uh, I was kind of... Hearing, you know, the Holy Spirit as He was, uh, so that that song "You Make Me Brave." There's that line in there: "God is for us." And I was struck as they were singing that line that that's actually one of the biggest difficulties that we as Christians sometimes face is believing that God is a hundred percent for us. Like He's actually up there rooting for us. He wants us to succeed. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us every good gift. In fact. It's his will that he gives us the kingdom. In fact, he says, throw away your earthly wallets and prepare yourselves kind of purses that can handle kingdom wealth because that's what he wants to pour out. And I think the same thing is true in relationships. One of the greatest keys, and when you know you are connected with your spouse, it's when you believe you're on the same team. Okay? So if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, I want you to look at them right now and say, we're on the same team. And if you're single, I'm sure there's some other single people in here, and we can make arrangements afterwards. No. And you could say, you're on my team. No. Or I want you on my team. How's that?
2: Or, or start speaking that out in your life, because you will find then a partner who will be on your team. Yeah. That's right. Well. Good morning. Uh, You just launched right in. I did. You did. Um, Some of you know us. A lot of you do. I've hiked with some of you. Um, But the uh, other is, we we have three kids. We didn't go into that part. We have a 13-year-old, which is actually fun. I'm I'm really having fun with our 13-year-old. It's fun. (laughs) That's right. Um, We have one who will be 10 in a few weeks. And then we have our uh, four-and-a-half-year-old, Livewire, who... uh, yeah, he just never saw it. There's not a breaker switch. There's no way to turn him off, ever. Um, which is good, because uh, it just keeps us sharp, and it keeps us... And he's going to be a leader someday. He's going to be amazing. But there, they were, I mean, especially um, the younger two, but they were just really excited to come and see Uncle Kenny and Aunt Hannah. That's the, the thing. And then now when we were driving up to the zoo, that was the next thing. I see the sky ride. I see the zoo. It's the zoo. So we may have to go to the zoo later. Anyways, but we're excited to be here. And um, I had to say all of that just to get my pre-nerves out. And now I'm ready to start. Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's go.
1: Okay, so uh, connection. Connection is actually more important than communication. So a lot of what we do as marriage and family therapists is we teach communication. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter how perfectly you communicate if you're not connected it doesn't matter and the way I describe connection is I don't have control of the lights right now but if I would walk over and throw these lights off we would all be in the exact same place but we could no longer see each other so if you were walking around and you bumped into someone in the dark you don't know whether they're a friend or whether they're an enemy because you can't see so it's The connection is that ability to know that your partner is on your side. And uh, so that's, it's really, really a key. So what we try to tell couples and any relationship is always pursue the connection. Like do whatever makes the connection stronger and stop doing those things that make the connection weaker.
2: Right. So we're going to launch in. We decided to to, um, call this the Connection Busters. And... The first one we're going to launch into is yep. the perfection police. <laughs> so, I um I had a little story that I, I wrote it out but I'm going to try not to read my notes because you don't need to see the top of my head. But the the idea is when when we we can we all come to a relationship with a certain set of expectations. And usually it's based on our our families, right? Our families of origin. And this fact really became clear just this summer and we've been married 18 years that's a long time so this summer i was privileged to spend two weeks with my parents and now they're retired so i know that they're it's changed just a little bit but i saw my dad work and help my mom in the kitchen (laughs) so much and then i flash back you know when i was growing up you know 20 something years ago at home and um, my dad would always, you know, rinse his plate and stick it in the dishwasher or put things away whenever he was done. And what happened for me this summer, I was like, light bulb? <laughs> because there have been times where I have this expectation, once again, the perfection thing, is that Sam is supposed to do things a certain way. And I would get incredibly irritated, at the beginning of our marriage especially, but incredibly irritated when he would pour cereal and he would pour milk, and then he'd go and sit down on the couch or wherever and just start eating and leave the cereal box open and out, and leave the milk you open and out. You might want seconds,
1: right? I mean, you never know. So you <laughs> want to keep that option open. There's no need to do extra work.
2: Is that why it was? I oh, thought yeah. it was because the cereal gets soggy. Oh, no. Okay. So you might want seconds. Anyways, yes. that is a m- m- big irritant for me, and I think I've said it, and I've probably asked, and I've probably nagged, and I've probably been really... I would probably I wouldn't say anything I'd probably just slam a door because I had this expectation that he's supposed to be like what I saw. And so the, the perfect, perfect partner the perfect partner would then do these things. And the perfect partner would understand that this is the way it's supposed to be. But the thing is is that when I am ruled by those kinds of things, then I lose the connection. I lose the opportunity to snuggle up on the couch because I'm in such a mm, negative space. Yeah where the negativity begins to eat up, and now I can't even really just be myself and relax in that space. So staying stuck, believing the perfect solution is what needs to happen, actually keeps a lid on your growth, and it leads to stagnation. Things can't flow in and out. And so it's like a pool of water that gets dammed up on all sides and just sits.
1: The the way I describe it, when I see couples interact and the perfection police for me is it's when people are trying to communicate and they're like, well, you said that wrong. Or you need to to say that, you need to stop yelling. You need to, and there's these rules and I kind of see it's like a, a 747 that needs to somehow land on a blade of grass. It's like the expectation is so narrow that it's like I was just slightly off, you know? And it's not acceptable. So to me, that's a connection buster when you have these expectations that are really narrow, and it's like never the right time, it's never the right you know season or whatever. Do you get what, you guys understand that? You're, you're with us, okay. So the uh, so we kind of call it the poor form referee. You know, there's a person. You know, it's like you both are supposed to be on the same team, wearing the same color jersey. Not one of you wearing black and white with a whistle. Right. So if you're in your relationship and somebody's got the whistle, then you're probably breaking connection, even though you may be right. And, and semantics do matter and how you say things do matter. But understand, if you never allow the connection to happen, you're really going to going to lose out. And uh, so I'll, I'll tell you guys this. This is kind of what uh, came up. And we may even have a scripture up here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, so one day some parents brought their children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples scolded the parents for, uh, for bothering him. Next verse. But Jesus said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. He said, let them come. Let me tell you, children are the most unpredictable animals on the planet, okay? I was at Walmart in the return line, okay? All the checkouts are behind me. They're, they're, they're stacked out. And, and Asher's in the cart, and he's grabbing his crotch, okay? And if you don't have kids, just wait. Or if you don't have boys. So, so here he is. He's grabbing, and I'm like, leaning down going honey don't 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 i'm real quiet and he's like my penis hurts (laughs) well poor form right this is like this is not the time this is not the we don't need to have this conversation here but you know what jesus would have done he just said let them come right and i think sometimes we're all like kids and we're all doing the wrong things. And we're all saying the wrong things at the wrong time. And, and, and our mouth has a shoe size. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're just constantly sticking our foot in our mouth. And we're doing the wrong thing. But Jesus would say, let them come. And I wish that marriages would be more like that, right? Yeah. Zacchaeus climbed a tree. There was a woman who crawled hands and knees to touch the, the hem of a garment, you know? There are times in life when you get desperate and you need to make a connection don't be the one who's saying it wasn't right. You didn't come and approach it in the exact right way. Okay? Connection buster, perfection police.
2: It's it's, it's challenging in those moments, especially if you're the one, like like me, I tend to be the one. that's like it's got to be this way. But it's challenging to get out of that. Once you become aware of it and that's something that's happening, because for me, um, I'll just slam doors. It's like, I'll show you how to put this cereal box away, you know, and, and just be, eh. and so it's not necessarily his job to come and ask me. If I'm the one doing it, then it's my job to come and say, hey, this is what's going on for me. This is what I need, as opposed to coming with a finger pointed, going, hey, 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 right? Because that, that'll just destroy connection as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the next part of this is not expressing what you need. Just be honest about what you need so that people know, hey, this was the landing strip. Because sometimes we didn't even light up the landing strip, right? And we're doing this scavenger hunt. I remember being in the Boy Scouts. uh, I I think I was a tenderfoot, which I think, isn't that like just like about 15 ranks below Eagle Scout? (laughs) If you were in the Boy Scouts, you know that. So anyway, I was barely in the, uh, the Boy Scouts and we went camping. And you know what they do with the young kids is they send them on hunts. So I had to find the left-handed smoke shifter and the raisin peeler. And if you're not catching this, I would like you to find one this afternoon and bring it. Basically, we searched all night, okay, for these items of choice. And then we'd come back to the scoutmaster and tell him, hey, I couldn't find this. And he's like, all right, well, that's okay. Go find this. We weren't smart enough, you know, and I think sometimes relationships get like that too. It's like, well would you like this or would that? And it's just, it's like Megan Trainer, right? My name is no.
0: is
1: no. No, 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 right? Yeah. So you gotta be careful and you gotta say yes. Okay, I think we're done with perfection police.
2: Awesome, moving on. Moving on. All right, next one is our past. Our past has the ability to, to disconnect us from what's going on. That's not rocket science, that's pretty basic. Um, and, and for this one, I have to share a, a little bit of a story um, about some clients that we're seeing. And I've been working with them since April, and it's a pretty gnarly situation. If if there could be bad, this one's bad. <laughs> but they're making it, and they're pushing through. However, there are times, well, actually week after week. We're still working on that. But there are times when she will sit in the office with her husband, and They're trying to push through, they're trying to learn new things, but she still thinks of him as an adulterer. And so moving on in their relationship is very difficult because her past is dictating her lenses for the present, which keeps them from connecting. Because what that does, if you've ever had your past brought up to you, if you ever had your past brought up to you in a relationship, it's really difficult to maintain change And to work towards something new when what's coming at you full force from your partner is, this is how I see you. This is the old you. This is whatever. And we've even had that stuff go on with us. And after 18 years, I can't, I I can honestly tell you, I don't look at him and see him according to his past. In fact, when we were dating, I told him, this was before he even proposed, but I told him, I said, your past has made you who you are today. And I love who you are today, so I'm thankful for it, which is a twist. It's challenging to be in that space. And then, especially after we're married and there's slip-ups and there's times where you fall back, I still can't see him according to his past because that prevents me from having any kind of a future in the relationship. And, and of course, cutting off the connection once again.
1: Yeah. The past, especially in, it's like the worst time to bring up the past is when you are... In a, like you're having a, a real, like, kind, comfortable, like, you know, the defenses are down, it's the intimate conversation, and then you steer into the ditch, and you bring up the past. It's like that, oh, I'm just telling you, it, it's a, you talk about ripping the plug out of the wall and the power going out. So sometimes the past is bothering you, and it's just learning how do I bring that up but not limiting my view of my husband or my wife to this past. So I'm just going to tell you a quick story that I found some kind of little bit of revelation on this. As I was reading the story of Samuel, which I happen to like that story. I don't know why. It's a good name. Uh, so my name is Sam, by the way. So the story of Samuel, his mom can't have children. And so she's praying and, and begging god for a child and he blesses her gives her a child and then hannah then gives him back to the lord so as soon as he's weaned he was sent to live with eli the priest well she would visit him once a year i can't even imagine this type of a childhood arrangement but this was what samuel experienced but here's what god showed me she would come to him and bring him a coat that she had made once a year now how many of you are parents in here you got you got a few parents If you were going to buy your clothes or buy clothes for your children once a year, what size would you buy? Somebody said big. How many of you would buy him skinny jeans? Anybody? If you could buy your your kid one thing, would you buy him skinny jeans? And why not? Because you can't even make shorts out of skinny jeans. I mean, you're talking... (laughs) The the point is is that she would have made him a coat too big. And what I believe is in the kingdom of God, God is always, and we as spouses, should always be giving our spouse a coat that's too big. Like, honor them into their future. Believe what they can become. Even though it may not fit quite right now, don't point out how it doesn't fit. Say, hey, that's looking great. And I believe the same is with churches, right? In churches, people will come in and they'll try things. And sometimes they try it; and it doesn't quite work. I just believe it's a coat that they haven't fully grown into yet. Sometimes it's not time to take the coat off. So just be a person who's constantly encouraging. Um, to me, that's a a great way to stay connected.
2: Yeah, and focusing on focusing on the negative those those things that we tend to kind of label um, uh, actually really limits. That's that's the power. So when we're focusing on the things that are good about the relationship, things that we um, enjoy, things that even brought us together in the very, very beginning and that becomes part of the fabric of our relationships, then we actually, the, the, the negative things, of course we see them but they don't carry as much weight or if they don't carry as much they may carry the same amount of weight as the positive however, you're in a better frame of mind to actually go to the partner and establish that connection again and start talking to them again. Um, when we never appreciate the progress, yeah. it's halted, right? We we talk about we're always well. Yep. When here's your starting place, and here's where you want to go, and you make some progress, but then when we look, we're still a hundred percent from where we want to go. And so it's important when you're in this and in relationships to turn and look back just a little bit and say, "Wow." I've come a long way, and this is good, right? We're not staying stale. We're not staying in a place of negativity and criticism. We're actually moving forward, and we're seeing things that are positive and seeing the things that we're changing in and growing in, the way God wants us to move and shift in.
1: I think, uh, so so here's a common way people will bring up the past. So I I learned this. Somehow I didn't, you know, my wife does not like to be called the name of her mother. Have any of you ever tried that? where you're, you're trying to give feedback, right? And you, you said, you remind me of... Does that make sense? I have been called my dad's name a few times. And, nice. and, and my dad's awesome, but he's got some things that aren't so great. And when you're bringing up the name, it usually is not connected to the awesome traits. Does that make sense? But that's that whiplash of the past that sometimes you can get into And even, and I'll just say, even if you're thinking that way, you want to really, as uh, one of my friends say, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself, right? Because going down that path is going to be a problem. And a lot of people do that. You know, they they think or they say things that can be kind of cutting, but just know that your relationship, the atmosphere, the connection of your relationship really isn't going to tolerate that very well. Okay, you guys with us? All right. And uh, the verse there that I love is in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13. And it says, um, yeah, you're doing good. Sorry about that. And uh, love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 Corinthians thirteen five. That's basically that, that love, what God wants to do in our hearts, is create an environment where we can let go of those past hurts. Okay? And that's a challenge. And I'll tell you this, sometimes it's not other people bringing up your past. How many of you have ever brought up your own past to yourself? Right? Sometimes we, we I, I remember being a kid and uh, just being traumatized by this, but in the Philippines, in the Catholic Church there, during Easter, they beat themselves. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And some of them actually will get crucified on crosses, okay, because they're, working stuff out on their own. man. I'm so thankful that Jesus paid the price for us, right? There's no more, you don't need to whip yourself. And so to me, if you're whipping yourself, you're not having full faith in the work that Christ did for you, right? Because truly, he's already paid the price for anything you've ever done wrong. And some of us have done some pretty, I've done some pretty epic things wrong. And so I wouldn't be able to stand up here and speak if I was focused on what was wrong. You can't be brave if you're focused on what you've done wrong. You've got to be able to drop that. Paul says, forget those things which are in the past. Focus yourself on the things that, that are coming. And so I would just encourage you, not only forgive each other, but forgive yourself. Okay.
2: I, I, one note before you move on. Yeah. The um, I'm a Brene Brown fan. I like her. If anybody has read her book, she's incredible. Um, but Daring Greatly is her book around vulnerability and courage. And she really switches... Um, according to research and looking at people across our nation and and coming up with her um, theories and thesis. But she really says, usually we're afraid to risk, right? Um, Afraid to risk being vulnerable in the moment. But she says it's actually the single greatest act of courage. And when you think about it, this is who we are in Christ too. We lay down. We take off. We become open. We become bare. We ask God to come into our hearts. We ask Holy Spirit to come in and change us and renew us. And doing that with our Heavenly Father then should also prepare us to do that in our relationships as well. And so I I think vulnerability in these moments when the past comes back, whether it's your own individual past playing a a record tape in your head, recording, CD, whatever it is, MP3, playing a tape in your head... (laughs) Um, tells you my age Streaming. <laughs> um, or if it's, um, if it's the actions and behaviors that you're looking at your spouse and you're finding yourself judging and being critical in spirit um, to come in and just say hey I'm seeing that and everything in me wants to judge and pa- you know, bring that out but how can we work on this together and how can we begin to change this and work on this so that it doesn't eat at me Yeah, yeah. courage, vulnerability
1: and I think this this just holds goes hand in hand with the next thing connect next connection Buster, which is pride. And so pride is the inability, even when you have been confronted, and even when you've been challenged with truth, it's the inability and the refusal to be able to validate what the other person is saying. And um, it's just it, it, we as humans desperately need to be validated. We need to be heard and validated. And so when someone says something, I think sometimes what happens is we fear to be able to validate or repeat back because we think it's going to be assumed that we're agreeing. So if Carrie brings something up, like, Sam, you always leave the cereal box out. And I say, I put it back two Fridays ago. We're losing our connection,
2: right? He couldn't hear me.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to prove my point that, well, you were wrong because it was all, you said always. And I did do it sometimes. Versus to say, you know what, honey, I'm hearing that you're really frustrated and it upsets you that I leave the cereal box out. Even if inside I go, I don't leave it out that often. I mean, this is important right? Because sometimes the words you need to say are not the words you agree with. It doesn't mean you're agreeing. It just means I hear you and your perspective is valid. I'm telling you, if you want to stay connected, this is a huge key. If you'll just be able to repeat back and validate, hey, that's a valid, you know, that's a valid way of looking things. Yeah. So
2: everybody I come into contact with, I tell them validation Validation. does not mean agreement. Agreement means agreement. Validation is just a fancy word for saying, I hear you. Yeah. And what you had to say is important to me as your partner. That's it. And it doesn't cost me anything to validate what I hear. It actually, I actually gain a lot when I validate what I hear. Um, and pr- not just practicing it between Sam and I, but also practicing it between me and the kids, us and our children. Um, because just as... This relationship can be incredibly fragile. Relationship with our children can be that as well, yeah. um, and especially in the formation stages. So just to say, you know what? I hear that you're really, really upset that mommy told you no. I'm very sorry about that. <laughs> you know? It goes a long way in calming and reducing the tension in, in our relationship, so then we can move past it, and we can go to the thing that we can do. How about, how about we make cookies? Yeah. Right? Instead of whatever else it is they want to do that I say no to.
1: I just just had this flash of Mary Poppins. I know, I go crazy. Okay. So, Mary Poppins, and in this song, isn't there in, there's an element of fun in every yes. job there is to do? Or, you know, there's, yes. an element of fun. Done, there's an element of fun.
2: So, find the fun. Find the fun. And snap.
1: What I would say is find the truth in what your partner is saying, find it seek it out there's something they're saying that's true and agree with it like it's just just get your mindset there's something they're saying here that's true they, they have a thing that's called the acceptance paradox a guy named David Burns uh, created this and uh, he wrote the feeling good handbook and uh, he says that and it's, it's very scriptural because Jesus really said the same thing didn't that make sense sometimes we have the greatest revelations or something and really it's just something that Jesus has already said but here's what he said if someone says something about you that's completely false and you argue it, you're proving it to be true. This, this one you may get later after lunch, okay? But you just think about this, okay? If you reject what they're saying, you've proven it true. However, on the flip side, if you accept what they say, then you've proven it false. You've put the lie to it. Let me just show how this would work. If I came up to you and said, Austin, right? Austin, you are the worst listener. Like you've been over here and you've been, you know, just not listening at all, and you know, I just know your mind's somewhere else, and I'm just attacking him, attacking him, and he and he looks at me and says, You know what, Sam, you're right. I'm really distracted this morning. You know, I have had some things going on. Is he the worst listener in the world? He heard me very clearly. But he agreed with me. But if he had said, I'm a great listener. You're a bad speaker. <laughs> Which might be true in that way. But you could, the, the, the idea is is that now he's denying the thing, and, and he's, in a sense, putting it, made it true. Okay? Jesus says when someone slaps you, <laughs> turn the other cheek. And uh, I would say if you're ever in a bar and someone punches you, now I'm not the really aggressive type. I probably wouldn't punch somebody back. But you can just imagine, you're in a bar, somebody punches you, and you turn around and haul off and punch them, they know they got the right guy. Because you were their enemy. And this happens in, in relationships. Spouses do this all the time. One lets off a punch, and then the other one punches back. Well, we are enemies. I knew it. And sometimes I didn't even mean to punch. I just bumped into you, but you were like, ah. right? You guys have seen that. I mean, somebody goes off and, well, you're proving your enemy material even when it wasn't intentional. And what I would say is the ability to um, not turn, you know, to be able to turn the other cheek, you've proven that I'm not your enemy. I'm not the one that you were intending to fight. And, and personally, other than MMA, okay, other than the octagon. That's the only time that somebody who is unprotected, I'm going to keep pounding them. Usually, when someone's defenseless, we back off. right? If they're not protecting themselves, you don't continue the fight. Just a point. uh, It's true. Okay.
2: It's true. I think we have down here antidotes because the idea is, is that these are things that... Destroy connection. So, what is the thing? Especially when it's pride that's in the way we've talked about. It. It's the agreement part, but the other piece is that the praise and appreciation. Whenever we're in that negative mindset, it just feeds on things, and then we begin to behave in ways that sh- are not respecting of our of our partner and of our relationship. Um, and and it, most. Most people I come in, I just don't feel respected. I don't feel like I'm top priority in my partner's life. I just all of those kinds of things. So when you get in the mindset, once again, of what you appreciate, I appreciate you're so spontaneous. I love that. I love that you're an activator and that you just get an idea in your head and you go off and do it. Or So you're starting to change your mindset, and that's something you can do. right? If you're on the other side where you're the one getting the first punch, that's something you can do that helps you get to that place as well.
1: Ready? Okay, patterns. Okay, I heard the beep, so that means that the plane needs to start landing. So we're gonna we're gonna work on that. I retired from ministry, so I don't have to lie anymore about whether I'm closing. All right. So here's the here's the thing. With um, I'm gonna just tell you a quick story about patterns. So there was these two boys, and they're watching a western on TV. You gotta imagine this quite quite a while ago. It's Mike and Ray, and they're watching this western. And Mike looks at Ray and says, Ray, I'll bet you five cookies that cowboy rides right off that cliff with his horse. And Ray's like, you are on. So they watch this thing. probably goes to a commercial break, you know, the cliffhanger. Comes back, and the cowboy rides right off the cliff. (laughs) And so Ray's forking over his five cookies, and uh, Mike starts feeling bad. He's like, man, Ray, I got to tell you something. I've seen this before. And Ray says, that's okay. I've seen it before too, but I didn't think you would be dumb enough to do it twice. Here's the thing. We as humans often get ourselves stuck in patterns, don't we? And we keep doing the same thing, and sometimes you just got to put the brakes on and say, you know what, I'm I'm changing this pattern. And so I'm going to tell you one of the patterns for me that I feel is a little key, and I have never heard anyone else teach this, okay? So this is, you are getting this fresh. And if it sucks, no one else has ever come up with it. And if it's great, well, but here's the thing. I actually, and even though I can be really happy, I tend, when I'm in my dark spots, I go low, okay? I, I can get negative, and uh, I can fight those, you know, demons of depression, whatever you want to say. And it's all about perspective, right? So a couple nights ago, um, I had been working a ton, and I come in, and I'm, I'm basically, you know, Eeyore is sitting on my back, right? And I'm, oh, you know, and this and that, and I'm really kind of in a tough place. And Carrie heard me out, and at the end, she said this. She goes, I, you know, she was able to hear me and repeat and validate And then she says, you know, I have a completely different perspective. This is what I've been seeing. And then she shared her opinion, what she's been seeing. And everything she's saying was true. It's just that's not where my mind was able to go. It was brilliant because immediately I was able to take the extra perspective, okay, and then with that cognitive dissonance is what they call it. When you're able to hold two different things in your head at the same time, it changes the way you feel. Now, let me tell you the way this used to go. Where this used to go, and a lot of couples get into this bad pattern, this is my own interpretation, is one gets negative, and the other, it's like a teeter-totter. They're negative, so, you ever been on a teeter-totter, right? If a person's down, you gotta scoot back, and then all of a sudden, this person becomes the happiest person on earth. Woo! the sunshine is so nice and they see no negative everything they see is positive they're happy clappy it's so great if you're a negative person and someone turns into happy clappy you are not connected right. you get that we talk about patterns of disconnection some people will get in the habit on that teeter totter is I've got to be happy
2: right feeling the responsibility to cheer you up or to be, become responsible for your own emotions or someone else's emotions.
1: And who's responsible for my emotions? You. Who's responsible for her emotions? A lot of times in marriages we get this confused and we say it's my responsibility to cheer her up. I can't. I cannot change anything other than my own thinking, my own feeling, and my own actions. I have control over nothing else. Now, a lot of marriages get into some serious problems when they're trying to steer each other from the back of the bus. Right. It's like you're not in the driver's seat. Stop trying to grab the wheel. Right. Okay? But there's there's
2: not nothing you can do. You can't change the emotion. You can't change me or what I'm feeling, but that doesn't leave you helpless either,
1: right? Yeah. So you can come towards. You can join. Here's the pattern you want to break. And I actually, what I was thinking about this, if you're a theological scholar... Finn, is that right? Finn here went to Bible college. He's probably going to chew this up. But here's, I I actually thought of the the story of the Good Samaritan and how that, here's a dude who gets jumped. He's beaten within an inch of his life, and he's laying on the side of the road. He's in pain. The priest comes by, and he goes as far to the other side, like, cheer up, brother. You know, be excited. Life is good. And the Levite goes by and does the same thing. But it's the good Samaritan who goes and says, let me join you in your pain. Now, I'm not going to... I don't have to go negative myself, but I can pick you up and I can carry, in a sense, you to someplace where you can get help, but I can join with you, but I I can't fix it. You're still going to have to heal on your own.
2: Right. And that's where to do the opposite instead of joining it's the the avoidance side of things which is what keeps you in disconnection so number one being different because you're different of course and how things get interpreted and how you feel but um, avoiding leads to assumptions right so if I don't choose to go towards and I choose okay let you be negative over there okay you let me know then then we're just widening the gap it doesn't get us anywhere and it doesn't it doesn't help us get out of it either. Because I do believe what we're here for, we're partners, we're spouses, we're helpmates, we're supposed to be doing life together. We're on the same team, but I'm also an individual. So I can keep what's going on for me. I can come towards and move towards. But if I start assuming, then I'm going to get myself in trouble.
1: And I'll just say that, that a lot of couples struggle with this. I mean, every couple struggles with this. We make these commitments for better or worse, but really don't mean the for worse part, right? That part, it's like, well, I didn't know that it could look this worse. You know, I had, I had this perspective of another kind of worse that I was willing to get through. So when you have to say I'm for better or worse, it means how do we join in and join and be connected, okay, no matter what the situation is? Because honestly, uh, I heard this the other day. I may spit this out wrong but the same hot water that turns the egg hard turns the potato soft, <laughs> right? So it's the circumstances of your life can be the same, but what you allow it to do to you, you have control over. So allow yourself to grow. Um,
2: yeah, and if you don't know what's needed, if you don't know what's needed in this situation, it's, it's just asking, <laughs> it's like I love you. I want to be a part of what's going on here. How? What do you need? How can I help? Right? Instead of assuming what the other person needs, because then you get back on the teeter totter again, and you start. Well, yeah. Sam says blowing sunshine up the backside. That's, that's <laughs> you know, my line. <laughs> Don't need that.
1: And that's the edited version. If you want the unedited one, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, Rabbi, mean, really, that's that's the. I, I, I hate that. I hate so. Don't avoid the conversation. That's another bad pattern. People will avoid to have the conversation. Right now, if you think about it, there's probably a conversation in your relationship that you are not having that you probably should have. I will, uh, I will embarrass myself very shortly in a quick uh, define the relationship talk, but I remember when I was dating someone other than Carrie before our marriage, and uh, I was assuming things were going well, but I would never have the define the relationship talk. Okay, never had to talk about us. We would do all kinds of things together. We had fun, but we never talked about us. And one time, I took her to a banquet, and she left with someone else. The amount of rejection I felt and disconnection was immense. But it was all because I didn't have the one conversation you need to have, which is the one you were avoiding. Okay? How are we... What's really going on here? What's your experience of this? They say that therapists have no idea what their client is feeling when they walk out of the room. And we're supposed to be pros at this. But the reality is, I have no idea what's going on inside of you. And spouses don't either. We can't mind read. Mind reading is for the birds. If you have an issue, you've got to bring it up. And if you leave your relationship to mind reading, you're going to you're gonna really suffer. So I would that's a connection buster
0: yeah
1: Yeah. all right so all
2: right so enough about the connection busting what what can we do to to change to turn it around to change it around and so one one key thing uh, we've recently actually reread a book that we read before we got married. His needs, her needs, which is great, and we think they rewrote it because it's so much better than 18 years ago when we read it the first time. But um, in reading that again, it just kind of highlighted some stuff to us. Actually, a lot of stuff. But one of the things is developing interest in what the other person's interested in. Uh, when we got married, there's—I mean, we're very, we're very, very different. I am uh, also musical, musical family and love music, and I remember when we were dating, I made a mixtape for him. (laughs) And I also remember hinting that probably one of the best gifts he could give me was a radio, um, oh gosh, what do you call it? When you call in and you request a song for somebody? Yeah, a radio request with, you know, my funny Valentine or something, you know. Um, So that was all within me and, and my interest. And he's played drums, and he likes he likes good music, uh, but not the same degree that I like music. But it's one of those things that over our years of marriage, he has learned to play bass, he's learned to play guitar, he's played drums, <laughs> he has supported me and all of my musical stuff in church and everything else. But that's been the example of turning things around positive, right? Um, he he can become interested in the things I'm interested in which makes me feel amazing because there's nothing better than having a conversation about the things I get excited about Right?
1: so Carrie's more introverted than I am if you didn't know that and so um, sometimes introverted people don't they may not be quite as open they they may have I, I can meet any one of you and I can find a connection before we leave today like I promise you that's my gift we could find something we have in common. But I can maybe struggle with that long-term maintaining of the relationship. And so sometimes extroverted people will think that introverted people don't have anything to say. But it is so far from the truth. All you have to do is get interested in something that the introverted person is interested in, and they'll talk your ear off. It's just what you're talking about doesn't interest them. And I think that's a real key in relationships is taking that walk across the aisle and saying, hey, I want to hear about what interests you rather than us needing to talk about what interests me. So that's a positive thing you can do. Um, And another thing is equal time, and it's like stopwatches. You know, they've they've talked about having, like you can actually get two stopwatches and see in a conversation who's talking. Because sometimes a connection buster and a connection builder would be one if somebody's having a monologue. Monologues aren't really cool in relationships. <laughs> so, what I'm doing right now is I'm not going to say another word until Carrie says something. I'm
2: looking at the clock.
1: I know. I put you on the spot. All right, here's what we're going to do. Uh, so, what I, uh, I was thinking about this too in connection. In a sense, it's like getting in sync, like getting back on the same page. And I would say this is the same in our relationship with Christ. So I think sometimes we can be believers, but our relationship just does not feel like it's in sync. And uh, so um, this morning, you know, when you hear the band play, there's, there's a bass, right? There's a, a bass line. And there is a you know, percussion section. And they lay down a foundation that the song can get on. And what I would say is both in our relationships as well as in our our relationship with God, our goal is to get back in the pocket. Nothing sounds more awkward than some being somebody being either ahead or somebody being behind. and i'll I'll, I'll show you how this is so powerful, because Jesus likens our relationship with him to being in a yoke. And I know this is pretty old school because I have never been on a farm where they yoked up a pair of oxen. I go to the bonds and buy my groceries. But the yoke was something that they placed over two animals, right? And when they walked together, they were very powerful. But when they walked out of sync, you could see how devastating that would be. And so what I would say is in your relationship you may need to either slow down a little bit, and the other may need to speed up a little bit, but you want to get back to where you're in time together. And I'll just say this with Christ. When we get in the right place with him, I believe that the anxieties will go away. The depression goes away because he's the one that's actually doing the heavy lifting. Right? When he says, yoke up with me, it's not that you're going to have to carry a cross too. It's like you're this little guy. The yoke's not even touching your shoulders. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, he's carrying everything, but you're walking along. But I think a lot of times in my life, I've been the person who's like, you know, going out and finding myself choking over different things or being drug along by certain things. It's just because I wasn't paying attention to that baseline of the Holy Spirit. And so today, I don't know where you are. But what I would say is that God would love you to be yoked up with him. In fact, this is what he says in the message, Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I'll just say that the same is true for your walk with God as it is in your relationships. If you will be connected in your relationship, if you'll focus on the connection, your relationship is going to feel a lot lighter and a lot freer than you could ever imagine. So, I hope that... Uh, Kenny? You good? <laughs> Turn it over. And in another version, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
0: Thank you guys so much for sharing that. That was awesome. Um, We're going to take a few minutes now as a church uh, to just... Um, respond uh, respond to what we've heard, and, and that may look uh, different for you, whether you just want to pray or you want to pray with your spouse. We have um, elements for communion here today. I was thinking about how in Revelation and the end of the Bible, um, it describes uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, there was in, in Jesus' day and the day when the, the Bible was written, there was um, kind of three main sections of a marriage. And at the beginning, there was like a, a contract and that was the beginning of the, um, a dowry was paid um, for, for the bride and that was the beginning of the engagement period. And, uh, and then there would be a point about a year later where the, um, the groom would come with his wedding party and would come to the house of the bride, um, signifying it was time for the wedding. And you have that parable in Matthew where the, all the maidens are waiting at midnight with oil in their lamps and that's... Of talking about that, and then the third one is the actual marriage, where the feast uh, happened and the celebration of them coming together. And when it talks about that marriage in Revelation, it's saying that the first two have already happened, that that Jesus is the groom and that the bride is his church, and that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the dowry for us, he paid the price to call us and to reconcile us to God, to bring us to himself. And that, that second part is the second coming. So right now as a church, we're engaged and we're waiting on Jesus. We're waiting on our groom to come and take us. And the second coming happens, and then there's a, a celebration as we're with him forever in the end. And as we do partake in communion, I want to remind us of that, that the good news that we have today is that Jesus has paid that price for us to call us in to bring us to God as his church and to be with him and that now we know and we have that assurance and what we look forward to is celebration forever with God and um, that that price that he's paid is enough to cover every sin it's enough to cover every mistake it's enough to cover every sin in your marriage Um, it's enough to bring healing to every marriage that's here that's the hope and that's the joy that we have so I'm going to say a, a quick word of prayer. Um, we're going to make a time to, uh, that we'll play a song, you can pray, you can take part in communion, and we'll close out with one more song at the end. And, and uh, also, wanted you guys to know that um, Sam and Carrie do have some resources here today, and if you want to meet them and kind of look at what they have, it's up here later. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for... Um, giving us the gift of marriage, Lord, that um, all throughout the Bible, all throughout your story, we have these pictures that at the beginning of time we see a marriage and that at the end of time uh, we see a marriage rejoicing as the church comes to you to be with you forever. Lord, I thank you for what we've heard today. There's so many patterns um, that can bring division and separation, um, that can bring sin against one another. And uh, we, we just come together for a time of repentance from that and also to rejoice that, Holy Spirit, that you bring conviction into our lives and to rejoice that though we were far and though our sins have separated us from you, you have brought us in through the, the precious blood of Christ that's shed on our behalf. We thank you for this time. I pray that you would speak uh, to, to marriages, to couples, the husbands and wives that are in here right now. I pray that we would be grounded in the truth of who you are. I pray that we would be reconciled to each other, Lord. I pray that um, we would model in our families and, and to the people around us what it means to, uh, to love one another, to forgive one another, uh, to serve one another, and that we would model that in our marriages. I pray that you would bless the marriages in new city. Be with us in this time in Jesus' name. Amen.